Cool. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn. We're going to continue on this theme of love. Um, Andrew Scarborough's preaching at um, up in Mombolk uh, this morning, and so he's out there, which is cool. And next week we have um, Catherine Ronala with us live um, from from Brisbane. She's not here. She won't be here, but she's uh, going to be up in Brisbane. So. Uh, which is going to be fun and um, just exciting things happening up there and and uh, and uh, yeah it's going to be going to be a great time Catherine's just a phenomenal leader Catherine and Tom lead Glory City Brisbane and they lead the Glory City Network as well uh, along with Mark Greenwood and a bunch of other amazing people up there so we're looking forward to that well I want to continue on this this theme of love and uh, actually, really interesting. Simon mentioned the the elephant in the room uh, analogy this morning, which is uh, I had that written down. Uh, and there's this this if you don't know it, I'll, I'll recap it for you. But there's this old um, I don't know where it originated from, but um, picture of of an elephant in the room, and and there's a bunch of people blindfolded, and then one person said, "Tell us what an elephant is like." You know, one person touches the tail and he says, oh, it's, you know, thin and, and, and a little bit hard and squishy and, and it's got a bit of fur on the end. And then another one touches the ear and he says, well, an elephant's like, uh, you know, quite flat and you know, thin. And another one touches the side and says, well, an elephant's quite large and, and, and quite leathery. You know, and another one touches the, who, the, the, you know, the feet and says, um, you know, an elephant's got, you know, round you know these round feet and another one touches the trunk and says well an elephant is long and thin and and often that picture has been used to describe describe um, well that's your truth and your truth is what the elephant uh, is like and as Simon even mentioned this morning it's it's that God wants to take us into greater truth and greater revelation of who Jesus is but the problem with that picture is that there's one person in the room who knows exactly what an elephant looks like because he's not blindfolded and he can tell you an elephant is an animal it's large it's got four legs couple of tusks big trunk two ears and a long tail and it can give you a full picture of what the elephant is is like and uh and i want to propose that in christianity often we've used that picture. well this is my truth and this is your truth and that actually the jesus is the truth he said i am the way i am the truth and i am the life and that that jesus is the truth about the father that no longer in the old covenant and in the old testament there was a shadow of what god is like we saw a glimpses and we saw uh, shadows and we saw parts of what god is like but in the new covenant now, the mystery has been revealed of the elephant in the room. Let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, the mystery has been revealed of what Father God, of what Papa is like, and he's like Jesus. Because Jesus said, you know, it says he's the exact representation of God. This is, if you're a part of Glory City, this is not a new message, but, but uh, that he is the perfect picture 
of what Father God is like. No longer do we see him uh, in part and in, in the sense of a shadow. Like if I look at um, Alex's shadow, I might be able to tell he's a man. I might be able to tell he's, you know, I don't know, six foot. What are you, what are you six foot, 5'11", something like that. I might be able to tell certain attributes of Alec, but I won't be able to fully know what he's like. But if he is illuminated and he's manifested in his uh, array of glory that Jesus was and he demonstrated, illustrated and modeled what Father God is like, then we get a picture, a fuller picture, a much broader picture of a, of a brushstroke of, of who the Father is. And you and I are on that journey of discovering uh, that we're on the journey of discovering the nature of God, his love, his kindness. And that's the discovery that you and I are on. That's the journey of the Christian life is the constant unveiling of, oh, that's, that's, oh, I see a different side to who you are, God, now. And I grow in revelation and I grow in depth of awareness. It's not we're getting more of God in that sense into us. Uh, but we're discovering who he, who he is in us and through us and around us. And in that sense, we are becoming more and more aware of, of his nature. And so <clears throat> uh, anyway, that's my, that's my it, it, weeks he likes it. That's good. I only need one person to like it and I'm a happy man. Um, <laughs> so we're going to read through three portions of scripture again this morning. And Lisa just, I just, and I encourage you, Lisa just did a phenomenal job. It was, it was, a phenomenal message of, of God's redemptive love last week. It was just brilliantly articulated, great testimonies, great stories in there. It was just a, a profound message uh, of, of his love. And, and this is the journey that we're on. You know, Jesus came to reveal the love of the Father. For God so loved the world. Um, we're not here to play games. We're not here to, um, you know, this isn't a performance we're here to encounter the love of God. We're here to display the love of God to the world around us. We're here to know his love, be known by his love, and show love to the world around us. Uh, I don't want to do this if I don't have the love of God. <laughs> I don't, I'm not here to just tick a Sunday morning box and, and, uh, or put on a production or any of those things. We want to encounter the love of Jesus and I believe the church in this hour, like uh, Weeksy, even that, that prophetic picture of is being stripped back to its core fundamentals of the simplicity. It's deep. It's a profound, deep gospel, but it's simple. It's be known by God, know his love, love God, and then love others. It's very simple. It's not complicated. It's deep. It's profound. It's immeasurably endless in its, uh, you know, this is eternal life that we would know God. So knowing God is eternal. It never stops. There's no beginning. There's no end. It just continues on. Uh, but it is simple. There's a simplicity of it. And I, I really believe God's stripping the bride back uh, to a place of, of the simplicity of the heart of knowing God, knowing his love. And so 2 Corinthians 3 is going to be our first passage. Uh, and I, I want to really, these are, this is the thing that I want to hit this morning is uh, I mentioned two weeks ago about one of the hindrances, I believe, for knowing the love of the Father 
of that he's extremely good is not knowing the covenant that we are in and that we are in a new covenant now and 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 that we and so i'm going to just touch on that again uh, hit it a little bit more clearer this morning and then we're going to kind of progress to sort of uh, the next part of what i want to share with that and and this is the this is the part that i want to share is is you know judas betrayed jesus with a kiss and I believe that he wanted intimacy without covenant. And everyone wants Jesus, whether they are like, I hate Jesus or I, don't, I, or I love Jesus. Everybody, it's, humanity was created to be in relationship with God. And Jesus is the way to the Father. There is no other way to God. Can't come through Buddha, can't come through Allah, can't come through universal belief. It has to come through being born again into the likeness of Jesus. He's the only way to God. And, um, and, and Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss and he, he, he went into guilt, shame and condemnation and ended up, uh, he didn't end up well. <laughs> I know there might be kids watching. See, he didn't end up well. But Peter betrayed Jesus as well. And he came back and repented and came to an awareness of the absolute love of God. And so we have the same two scenarios. And I, I believe, um, for me, the revelation, I've just written this, for me, the revelation of a good father is what we need, our city, our nation, our world. Jesus didn't bring the old covenant into the new. He made the old null, null in void and he brought us into a new covenant. And... I really, I really think that um, if we don't understand his love towards us, we will perform. We will not believe that we're accepted and we'll try and do something to get his love. Uh, or, we will, or we will reject his love. Or, or we will constantly think that his love is far off and if I do good things, well, then he's well pleased with me. But if I don't do good things, then he's going he's to curse me. And that's just not the God that now we are in when we're in the new covenant and Jesus demonstrated and illustrated that that's not God. That's not his highest form of, of nature. There is, now no, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Okay, there's no condemnation. Oh, but I did this. Yeah, there's no condemnation. It's like he doesn't say there is now no condemnation unless dot, 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 dot. He doesn't say for God so loved the world, well, unless you do these things and you behave in a certain way. No, Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is believing the truth about you, believing the truth about God, and then the Spirit of God comes in. It's supernatural transformation, and then we behave accordingly. All right, that feels good. 2 Corinthians 3, 4. Let's start there. All right. Are we there? Are you guys there? Yep, we're good. All right. <clears throat> Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us 
sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Wow, you are sufficient minister of the new covenant. That's profound. Not of the letter, that's talking about the law, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, that's what the law is considered. It's considered a ministry of death. Carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Good name for a church. For, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Wow. So there was glory in the ministry of condemnation. And here he's making a distinction between the Mosaic law and now the new covenant. Indeed, in this case, what, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's profound. This is how the kingdom of God works. We turn to the Lord, then the veil is removed. It's not the veil is removed and then we turn to the Lord. Sometimes in our life we need to just turn to the Lord and then the veil gets removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We know this verse well. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, I know that we often quote this verse as like we're going from glory to glory and it's strength to strength and faith to faith. Here, this passage is talking about we are going from one degree of glory, which is the Mosaic Covenant, into a new degree of glory, which is the new covenant. That's what this passage is unpacking. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying the, the glory that was in the old will come to an end and has come to an end. But there is a greater glory, one that will not end, one that far exceeds the ministry of death. And now we're in the ministry of righteousness, right? So that's the covenant now of love that you and I are in. And I want to just read Revelation 2.1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, Write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Hmm. 
James puts that same passage this way. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation, listen to this, or shadow, this is James 1.12, due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind, be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Our first love is his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, he loved the world. He sent his son. No one pays, no one would pay a million dollars for this iPhone. Why? Because it's not worth it. Jesus paid blood to destroy sin, the, the root issue of humanity, so that you and I could come into right relationship with our creator God. And he says, that's the first love. You cannot, if I can get a bit deep here, he, so he, he takes our sinful nature, removes it, deposits his Holy Spirit inside of you and I. And then he says, I want you to believe, the, the, I want you to understand the first love is my love towards you. You can accept it, you can reject it, you can do whatever you want with it, but his love towards you is never changing, never ending. It's unconditional. It's without conditions. Right? For God so loved the world. That's everyone. Then he says, I'm going to put you, put me, sorry, God, inside of you, and then I want to have relationship and intimacy with you because now the veil has been removed. I'm not a shifting shadow. I'm not changing. I'm not, I'm not flippant one week and this and that. I'm steady and every good gift comes down from the Father of lights who is extremely good. And he says that, you know, I'm not tempting you. I'm not trying to berate you. I'm not, I'm not manipulating you. I'm really good. I'm really kind. I'm slow to anger. Every good gift that I want to give. I have nothing but goodness for you. And everything that tries to come in the way of your love for me and my love for you, I'm jealously against that. Everything that is perfect that I have for you, that, I, that is not the way I designed life and truth to be, I'm jealously against that. Right? So this is God. And then he says, um, I, I want you to be in relationship with me. With The veil has been removed. This is the way you've come in. You've come in by Ephesians 2 says that we've come in by, uh, um, by grace through faith. That we receive, I've written it down here, it says... Um, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is Ephesians 2.8. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's like, well, hang on, Liam, didn't he say we're created for good works? Yeah, but we're not working for love. We're working from love because we know he loves us. He's like, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved. I stuffed up, I'm loved, I stuffed up again. I'm still loved. I can't change his love towards me. You can't change the elephant in the room. The picture has been made clear. It's Jesus Christ is the truth about God. He's a good, 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 good father who just loves us. Does it mean he doesn't discipline us? No, we're disciplined because of love. When we know we're loved, we embrace discipline. When you don't know you love, you reject discipline and act like an orphan. Let's leave that one there. Um, <laughs> right? And so here, the veil now has been removed. And listen to this. I think in Romans, it talks about that our spirit is yearning to connect with God. His spirit is yearning to connect with God. In order to be love God the way that the Bible talks about it, it has to be this crazy supernatural love of God that we understand our first love of, oh, I'm loved by God. And now that same love, I love God back. Now, I'm, I'm going to clarify this because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. We're not God. Liam is not God. Okay, good. Simon's not God. Yes, we all agree with that. But the love of God is in me and I get to love God in this, that same way back because he's spirit. He's spirit. So it's, it's, it's God loving God. It's like, it's, like, it's like this beautiful. And what's that remind you of? It reminds me of the Trinity. God is love. He had that with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There was this beautiful picture of love, of connection, of intimacy. The veil, it wasn't blurry. God would look at Jesus and be like, man, I love you. Jesus would be like, I love you too. Holy Spirit, man, I love you guys. Jesus, it's like this interaction of, of connection that would happen. And, and then he's like, I've got a great idea. Let's make people in our image, in our likeness, so they can love us the way that us three have been in unison and love together, in union. Uh, Peter talks about that, says we are partakers of the divine nature. Oh, we're partakers of the divine nature. So we get to accept the love of God. I'm telling you right now that if you, this is, this is, this is the, the Judas thing with the covenant relationship. This is what Jesus addressed with Peter. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He wasn't questioning his work ethic. He was questioning his heart motive. He was questioning his belief system because belief leads to right living. Not the right living doesn't re lead to right believing. Right believing leads to right living. And we're living in a world right now where it's works. It's you've got to do more works. You've got to do more. I'm, I work hard. I like a good work ethic. I grew up a sportsman. I, I understand discipline. I 
We, we used to get fined for not rocking up on time. And if we were going to be late, you know, we'd, we'd have to pay five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. Like I, you know, you had to wear the right outfit. You had to dress right, your suit, tie, your shirt, you know. I understand discipline and there's good principles in that. They're, that's a great thing to have. But if that's what you're doing to get accepted, then you're, you're doing works-based um, religion, which Paul like just slams, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you what you've received through grace, you're now trying to get through works. What are you doing? You're putting the veil of the law back over yourself, which leads to death. It's the ministry of death. We've all been in that ministry of like performance. We've all been in that place of I'm working to make God. Listen, God's close and in you. The devil's outside you, not the other way around. But we are often like the devil's inside me and God's tempting me. No, the devil's the tempter and the accuser of the brethren. And God's, God's the God who has perfect gift and perf everything perfect for you. Oh, surely he's not that good. No, he is. He is that good. He's extremely kind. He's extremely good. And that's why people often know oh, it's too hard to believe. Because he's so good. And the mystery's been revealed. We're going to read one more passage of we're going to read one more passage of scripture. Romans 8. Judas was in a contractual relationship with God. It was like, it was contractual. He, he wanted intimacy, but he didn't have covenant and depth of covenant. I'm not in a contractual relationship with my wife. Yes, obviously we're married and yes, we're obviously, you know, it's, 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 signed under the the law the law of the land and all of those things but when we have you know when we have conflict and we have you know disagreements once once every five years that happens with me and shen you know um <laughs> but but i'm not like well you said till death to us pardon you signed this contract no i'm i'm i come to her and we come to each other in relationship we come to each other face to face and we communicate and we, 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 there's this understanding of I know she loves me and I know I love her and I know. And in the same way with God, when there's, when there's tension and there's things that happen, it's like God is in pursuit of you. He's in pursuit of you. Hmm. He pursued you first. Thank you, Lord. I just want to read one passage out of Romans 8. And um, we know this because, you know, we know that those who love God, he works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, and then he goes, I'll just read this bit. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What did he do? What's that predestined word mean? Often people get confused about it. He decided, he predestined to conform you and justify you. He decided it. He's like, I've chosen to love you, to call you, to predestine you, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What's that mean? That means Jesus is the first fruits. It means we're a 
he was a prototype of what is to come, right? We're creations of Jesus. We're new creations. Um, in order that he might be the first, uh, uh, firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. God's everlasting love. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, that how will he not also, listen to this, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's Romans 8, 26 to 28. How will he also graciously with uh, how, uh, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Grace, grace is undeserved favor, right? If I'm doing 100 kilometers, if I'm doing 60 kilometer, uh, 100 kilometers an hour in a 60 kilometer hour zone and I get pulled over by the police and I don't get a ticket, that's mercy. But if I not only get, don't get a ticket, but I get a million dollar check, I'm just using money as an example. That's grace. I didn't deserve it. I was actually doing the wrong thing. Ah, yeah, but I love you. I was a sinner. I deserved to be punished. Yeah, but my son took that. Here's grace. Here's love. Here's kindness. Here's mercy. Not only am I going to give you undeserved favor, I'm actually going to give you me so that now grace is the empowerment for you to walk out the life that you're called to walk out in, in the way I designed you to. So now it's the empowerment that you live. Jesus grew in favor and stature and grace with God and man. So if Jesus grew in that, we need to grow in that too, <laughs> right? But here he says, how will he graciously with that not give us all things? Uh, we, we know the story. I'm not going to read it just for time's sake, but we, we know the story in Luke 15, and, and it's often talked about the prodigal son. You know, it's, it's actually titled in my Bible, The Parable of the Prodigal Son. But I want to propose Jesus is, in, in, if, you, if you read through Luke 15, he's talking to, it says the verse, first verse, it says, Now to the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes, grumbled saying this man receives sinners and eats with them right they were annoyed that he was hanging out with the the lowly of the society so then he addresses it and he goes okay i'm going to tell you a parable of the lost sheep we know that story of of the father that runs out or the shepherd that runs out to find the one goes after he leaves the 99 who need no repentance who are righteous and he goes after the one then he tells the story of the lost coin of the woman who sweeps the house clean to find the coin. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son. I want to propose it's the story of the prodigal father. That all of these pictures are, are yes, they are about the lost sheep. Yes, they are about the coin that's missing. Yes, they are about... Um, Yes, they are about the son that wanted his inheritance without covenant relationship. Sounds like Judas. Who ran away, realized it's probably better to be a servant in my father's house than to be a, a free man out in the world living like a slave, living like an orphan. 
comes back, and obviously we know the story of the older brother who grumbles because there's a party being thrown for the son who's returned. But all of these stories are pictures of the father. He leaves 99 to go after one. And he uses the analogy of a woman and the lost coin to sweep the house clean. Story of the father. Find the coin, get the treasure. And it's the story of the father who when the son comes home, did you know in Jewish culture, rabbis don't run? Kings don't run. They, they become, they, you know, they're dignified there. They don't run. They don't do that. Yet this father jumps off his porch. He's been looking. He's been looking and longing for his son to come home. That's the James one where he says he gave them uh, when he's tempted, when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. This son was enticed by his own desire. He went out in the world and had a way in the world for a while, decided to come back. The father runs and he clothes him. He gives him a robe. Robe represents royalty, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Was that the son was happy to come back as a slave. He's like, here's a robe. Here's a ring. What's the ring represent? The ring represents the authority to sign off as if he was the father. Graciously give us all things. And then he puts sandals on his feet. Sandals represent two things. They represent purity. They represent that he's pure to come into the home, that he's, his feet are clean, that he's clean. But they also represent freedom. He can go again if he wants to. I trust you this much that you're welcome back and you are free in this kingdom again. Because who the sun sets free is not partially free, not kind of free, is free indeed. But if we don't believe this love, this lavish love that God has given us, if we don't believe it, we'll never walk in it. We'll constantly be doing this dual fight with God. We're like, oh, is God pleased with me? Yeah, he's well pleased. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know Jesus had done nothing in ministry, not performed a single day in his life, yet God was well pleased. Adam and Eve, this is my creation. Jeez, it's very good. The moment you become a born-again believer, even before you're a born-again believer, you're created in the image of God. You just don't know you're a son of God and you, you need God's spirit to come in you to transform the sinful nature to a righteous nature, for the veil to be removed, to see clearly who you are and see clearly who God is. But if we don't believe this lavish love that God has, and we're just constantly like, well, is, is God, is he like that part of the elephant? Or is he like that? Or I don't know, I'm not sure. Like. Maybe he's just a shifting shadow. Maybe he's like one minute he's mad, one minute he's this. It's like the ways of the world are performance to get accepted. The ways of the kingdom are believe you're accepted. And then whatever he's created for you to do, outwork that. That's the ways of, that's the, ways of the kingdom. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're loved. And then we get to know that love for eternity. <laughs> get to discover more and more of the gifts, of the depths, of the revelation, of his kindness, of his goodness. 
So that power, for me, those parables of the prodigal son, the lost sheep and the lost coin, they're the story of a father who's in hot pursuit of his kids. He's in hot pursuit because in this relationship that you and I are in, we're the bride and he's the husband. And, and like in our Western world, it's good for the man to pursue the girl. Boys, men, listen. <laughs> Pursue, he's in pursuit because Revelation says he first loved us. And I just want to bring us back to that first love that you and I would have. A, this isn't like a, we need to do this or we need to do this or we need to actively pursue this. There's, there's a no, no um, outwork, there's no um, action required. There's belief. Change your belief system. If you're struggling and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Repent, turn to the Lord and the veil gets removed, right? Repent, repent, change your mind, change your thinking. Oh, it can't be that simple. Yep, it, it can be. This is the power, supernatural power of the, of the gospel. Supernatural power of the gospel. Is, is, it's profound. It's like, I believe this. None of us, like... I. <laughs> It wasn't like, oh, it's a Wednesday. I'm going to wake up and have a coffee and today I'm going to get born again. No, I was like, oh my goodness, the revelation of his kindness and his goodness is so transformative. I need to change my mind from this way of thinking to this way of thinking. And then I'm on this journey of discovering who I've become in Christ and how much he absolutely, absolutely adores me. I'm loved by God. I can't change it. You're loved by God. You can't change that either. But what you can do is the greater level of belief we have will walk in a greater level of freedom. And if you're not walking in freedom, then what lies are you believing that possibly are hindering you from walking in, in that freedom, whatever area of your life that that is? It's like, oh, I'm believing this lie. Okay, I repent of that and replace it with the truth. Because we've got two fathers in this world, the father of lies, the father of truth. I know which one I want to go with. All right. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your great love towards us, that you first loved us, that you're in pursuit of us. And that like a bride, we get to accept the beautiful gift. By grace, we have been saved. The veil's been removed now. We're no longer in the ministry of death and the covenant of death. We're in the covenant of righteousness and grace and mercy. That by grace, we came in and by grace, we will continue to walk out this, this life called the Christian life. Father, I pray for a revelation in our nation of the goodness and the kindness of a father who's in hot pursuit of his kids. In Jesus' name, amen.